You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on the Mighty 1290 Coil, the Mighty1290Coil.com, and the Mighty 1290 Coil mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Hey, check out our Facebook page for our segments from last week on rural health care and the impact on states that did not expand Medicaid, something that's uh, a very interesting conversation that we're going to be following here uh, at the federal level. But we're talking local health care this week here on the program, and we're joined by the Nebraska Health Network CEO. And just so you know, they're a partnership between Nebraska Medical Center and Methodist and their affiliated physicians and hospitals, kind of as a... um, rebranding of uh, of an older um, alliance and um, they're going to be doing some really exciting things here in the next several years and so we're joined again by the CEO of that organization Lee Handke and um, we're going to talk about the priorities let's talk about some of your priorities we we visited earlier this week and I, I think they're right on so uh, let's uh, talk about priority one yeah yeah thanks Sean I think you know let, let's start with just what our vision is because uh, it's really around the triple aim which I know you've probably talked about before on your show and that's uh, to improve the health of all patients by delivering high quality affordable and accessible health care services throughout the region. So I know you often talk about the three-legged stool. Right, access, right? Co- quality, and cost. Right? So it's really aligned with that and really okay. to try to drive those things forward. So, so underneath that, we really have five things that we're looking at today. And the first is around clinical integration. And clinical integration really talks about your network of providers that are jointly focused on quality. Okay. And so today, for example, we talked about the physician leadership we have. We have 13 clinical work groups that are active. They're physician-led. These are physicians that are part of the system that come in and volunteer. And what they're doing is they're coming together to write evidence-based practice guidelines. So we have some certainty across the system for key diseases and key conditions. We're treating them in the same way consistently, and that's what the evidence would support would provide the best outcome. So that's really the the first thing that we're looking at. The second one is around uh, population health management. And so when you think about that, we have employers that we work with, we have payers that we work with. Mm -hmm. And so when you know that chronic disease drives three of every four dollars today in healthcare, and there is so much around chronic disease that are patient satisfaction issues, you know, we want to keep people healthy, keep them from getting sick. And so really uh, becoming experts in the management of health of populations. And that starts with our 300 primary care physicians in those patient-centered medical homes that we provide data to at the point of service so they can say, for these individuals with disease, what are their needs? Are there any gaps in care? How often should they be in to see us? And they have health coaches then at the clinic that reach out and bring those people uh, in at appropriate intervals. That, That term population health management, again, is another buzz term in the industry. I've mentioned it before, but um, can we dive a little bit deeper into this population health management? Because the incentives really are going that way. Um, Can you uh, help the listeners maybe understand a little bit more at a high level what what that means? Yeah, so if you think of any employer group, they're going to have everyone from the very healthy uh, person to those that are chronically ill. And so it's really looking at the totality of a population to say across that spectrum, anywhere from someone who's well to someone who's at that time very sick, what are the services that we can provide to manage the health of a population? So, for example, um, if someone is still healthy, we want to keep them there. So we want to provide information about wellness, about diet and exercise and those sorts of things, because if we can keep someone from, from, from getting on that other end of the spectrum where they're, they're sick, uh, that reduces costs mm-hmm. for employers, and that also uh, keeps people healthy and satisfied. So. What about the people on the other end of the spectrum who are 
sick, for example, or what, what can you do to kind of help them improve their status? Yeah, so those are the individuals we really want to engage in that patient-centered medical home and make sure that um, we're following evidence-based guidelines for care for those individuals. So for hypertension, which is high blood pressure, or for diabetes, or for asthma, there's clear guidelines uh, that would indicate here's the best way to treat an individual with that condition to provide the best outcome. And so that's what that uh, clinical integration piece clinical we talked about was. Evidence-based medicine. Do you think before people were starting to focus on that, there was just a lot of people were just kind of all out there and fragmented as far as treating somebody with diabetes, for it, example? Um, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And actually, um, <clears throat> there was a lot of what's called kind of the art of medicine versus the science of medicine. And so we're really uh, trying to align with what would the science suggest, and let, let's make sure we consistently apply that. One of the uh, examples that I've heard from another industry would be um, without those guidelines, it'd be like an airline pilot, and each pilot would follow a different pre-flight safety routine. You know, there wouldn't be anything consistent and standard. And so, obviously, we probably, neither one of us would get on a plane where we think that, uh, you know, there wasn't a, a common safety protocol followed, and we need to get to the same thing in healthcare. Yeah, it's, re it's really kind of amazing that it's not, not there, but I'm glad that we're on top of it now and, and, and attacking it. So what's your third priority? Yeah, the third thing is really to make use of the data that we have. So, you know, it's a challenge in uh, healthcare um, because data, data is in, in a lot of different silos. You have pharmacy data, you have healthcare data. Uh, we even have, uh, you know, data now when, when people wear things like Fitbits and other things that monitor their healthy activities. And so the goal is, how do we bring forward uh, the data together so we can centrally look at what would be opportunities to provide care at a population health level, but then also get that to our physicians at the clinics? So our third priority is really to bring all those things together and, and get that information to our physicians. I think information is going to be everything, and I think that's a great point about how it's siloed. Uh, the other thing on, on data I, I found interesting, uh, interested in your thoughts, would be um, people uh, you know, doing genetic testing, for example, to see if they can see if somebody might be predisposed for cancer or something like that. Do you see that as an emerging thing as well? Yeah, we could probably spend three shows on uh, the, the amount of information and the advances in genetic testing today, and I think it's a wonderful thing. Now, today, a lot of that testing gets pretty expensive, but if we can target therapies, uh, particularly uh, drug therapies and others to people um, that would uh, benefit genetically for that, that would be a huge cost savings as well. So Yeah, that's something I think we need to explore. I think policymakers should even consider uh, looking at into something like that. Uh, I don't know, it might bother some people if their government's you yeah. know, asking them to do that, but at the same time, if, it can, if you can know that you're going to get cancer 20 years before uh, you're going to get cancer and take steps to prevent it, I, I think that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there, there's some ethical issues around it too, uh, of course. You know, would you want to know that you, you're going to get a disease and so forth? And so that's a decision, you know, that we'll have to wrestle with. But the price of genetic testing has now come down to a, to a pretty reasonable level. So the opportunities, I think, in the future are endless there. Uh, final point on the issue of data. I know it's important that uh, getting it all together, but um, Protecting it is going to be a big thing, as as we saw a few months ago with Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, for example, and their loss. Um, any comments on you know the importance of protecting the data there? Yeah, you know there was a breach at Anthem. There was a a, a breach after that with Primera Blue Cross up in uh, Washington State. And um, what I've learned there is the the attacks on that data have become more and more aggressive. I think both of those were actually from overseas entities uh, looking at the data. So uh, privacy and security of data is going to be a bigger and bigger thing, and we have to make sure as we bring these things together that, uh, that uh, security is at the, of the utmost uh, concern there.
Do you think there should be any federal legislation um, to kind of you know help help with that? I know that you know HIPAA is a big issue and all of these other things. Do you think uh, from a public policy standpoint, if they uh, pass some legislation to kind of just help with that, it would be helpful? You know, I don't know that legislation there is is the answer. I think it's just trying to figure out how we stay one one step ahead and how we really focus on how we keep that uh, that secure. We're talking with Lee Hanke, CEO of the Nebraska Health Network, about their priorities here on America's Healthcare Challenge. What you got for number four? Well, four, we kind of talked about a little bit already, and it's really around that consumer engagement okay. piece, Sean. So it's, it's how do we, you know, we talked earlier about my father and the relationships he had built within the community, and that, those relate, were relationships built on trust. And so if we can uh, build the similar relationships, and really it's getting to know our patients better, making sure that we're responding to their needs, that we're flexible in how they can uh, see us. Uh, there was a, a recent survey of consumers done where it, it talked about at different age levels, how do individuals want to be engaged by their healthcare provider? And in the, uh, the older population, 65 and above, uh, about half wanted to actually come into a facility. But when you looked at the, the uh, individuals under age 24, 40% said, no, I'd rather have a digital interaction with my physician. And so I saw a picture the other day from the Jetsons uh, where they were uh, looking at a big screen and their doctor was on the other side. And, yeah, and, and the comment was, hey, I think we're finally arrived uh, wow. here. So <laughs> That's so funny. That's interesting. Um, how about number five? That's, that's your fifth priority here. Yeah, the fifth thing is really for us, it's, it's developing products and products that we can bring directly to employer groups, products that we can work with payers in the market on. You know, if we do one, two, three, and four well, so we're clinically integrated, we're solid on the population health management piece, we have the data to support uh, quality uh, care delivery, and we have that consumer engagement, we're going to have an attractive proposition that we can bring uh, to employer groups to help them manage the cost of health care. It's been a struggle for them, uh, you know, for years and years uh, with the rising cost. And, and so how can we bring this solution to them to bring costs down? I think that's, that's absolutely right. You know, with health care becoming one of the largest expense for businesses, uh, the, the, the renewals just seem to continue to go up. I'm sure you, you were in that business a little bit, so you understand um, how they're going. Um, do you think you'll be able to come out with products that are less than typical? Yeah, I think, you know, the, there's big opportunity. So the Institute of Medicine would, and Dartmouth and others actually would say, there's a lot of waste in healthcare. Uh, Institute, Institute of Medicine said $750 billion a year is in, in waste. So if we can better coordinate care to reduce that waste, refer patients to the location of highest uh, quality and lowest cost, and create those relationships with them so they feel empowered to stay healthy, I absolutely feel we can, we can do that. Wow, that's interesting. More with Lee Hanke, CEO of Nebraska Health Network. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. Those were their five priorities on how they're uh, planning to uh, help uh, the local marketplace uh, not only lower costs but provide higher quality care. The three-legged stool like we have talked about. Check out our Facebook page for this interview and others, facebook.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge. Oh, and while you're there, don't forget to check out the new and improved uh, healthreformexplained.com, uh, the Edie Bellis company website. More with Lee Hankey when we come back. Mm-hmm.